you know, what I truly believe real wellness is and real self-care is, is knowing for certain that the way that you're caring for yourself is what you were created to be cared for as. As a young mother, I experienced a paradigm shift that transformed how I saw education and ultimately the world around me. I started this podcast, The Luminous Mind, to connect with and learn from people who are disrupting the status quo in how they learn, educate, and live in the world around them. Prepare for a paradigm shift. Light a candle, light your world. Benjamin Franklin said, instead of cursing the darkness, light a candle. You're listening to The Luminous Mind with your host, Rebecca Bowman. Today's fire starter is Jamie Amarine. Jamie is an author, speaker, and artist. She and her husband, Justin, live in the North Houston, Texas area. Jamie and Justin have six children, ranging in ages from six to 25. Jamie is a three-time published author and royalty artist. Jamie and Justin are advocates for foster care and adoption. You can learn more about Jamie at sacredgroundstickyfloors.com. Welcome, Jamie. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to chat about your third book, Well Girl, An Inside Out Journey to Wellness. But before we get into any of that, can you just tell our audience just a little bit more about yourself? Well, sure. So I am a wife and mom. I've been married to Justin for 28 years, and we have six children, four biological, I guess, (laughs) (laughs) semi-grown. The oldest is 25, and uh, Sophie, our youngest, is 18. She's supposed to go to college in New York, and so she's slightly disgruntled because she won't be going this semester. And then Uh, we started all over with foster care and adoption, and we adopted Sam when he was nine days old, and Charlie was our first long-term foster placement. He was with us for two and a half years before we finalized his adoption, and they are six and eight. Yeah, they're a handful. And we homeschool, and Justin is my business manager, and I'm also an artist, Um, I have a background in counseling, human development, and education, and I kind of do all the things, and (laughs) (laughs) I I actually am an accidental author. Somebody encouraged me to put up a blog, and I reluctantly did it, and then I posted from my phone a blog post called An Open Letter to My Children, You're Not That Great, which was crazy, insane, millions of reads, like overnight. Number one blog on WordPress and (laughs) ended up with a two-buck deal and blindly got into the writing world. And yeah, so now we're on book three. (laughs) The, the, The downside to that kind of instant book publishing experience is I didn't know anybody or anything. So it makes it a little harder to swim to the top. And especially because I think people assume if you're funny, that you're an extrovert and that's not true. <laughs> so um, <laughs> that's hard for me. And at the same time, most everything that I talk about is about the freedom of a personal relationship with your creator. And so I find it's hard to do the things that a lot of social media giants and great authors have to do or like to do. And that's draw a lot of attention to myself. 
that's interesting. I have a friend that he likes to talk about politics in relation to how, you know, our relationship with God. It is one of those things, like if you're talking about religion, sometimes you're a lot, you're just shy, you know, to say much about it because you just don't want to be, I don't know even why we do that. We just, it's just not a popular thing maybe. And that we don't want to be criticized for something that's so dear to us, you know, type of thing. And he constantly has people like, why do you always have to talk about God? And he's like, well, this is, this is central to everything that's going on. If we don't understand this part of it, we're not going to get the rest of it. Right, you know? right. So, so. Right. Well, and I think the big thing too, well, for me, this is the thing that always gets me. If you draw too much attention to yourself in relation to, look at me, this is all the stuff I know and all the greatness that I'm experiencing on the human side of that the minute that you mess up, everybody blames God. And that's one thing I always say, don't blame Jesus. It's not Uh his fault that Uh we're so messed up. But yeah, so I think I found some balance in that. I like to be genuine. I like to, I mean, it's all fine and dandy. My husband and I just got back from this wonderful weekend away with a late celebration for our anniversary. And that's cute and darling and everybody's ooing and aahing over the pictures. And today we're not speaking. So, <laughs> 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 you know, it's, um, it is what it is. It's, it's real life. And it's one of the big drawbacks, I think, to, to real life being so accessible to everyone is that you can put on a pretty song and dance. And, but then if it completely falls apart, that's just as personal and private. And I don't know, it's hard for me to, when I say I, want to be real, I think, but that sounds so cheesy. But I do. I don't I don't want anybody to go, I want to be just like Jamie, because you don't, because it's a mess. (laughs) 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 That's not what you want. (laughs) Well and I feel that way. I have a hard time being really authentic about things. I'm trying to be more and more like that because I think that for so long we were raised like everything in media, everything needed to have, you know, look professional and very polished and you know, completely put together. And so I have a hard time showing that side of myself, I guess. Mm -hmm. And then, like you said, you don't want to create this image of things that you believe and then have it all unravel. And I I don't know, that side of perfection, it's hard to to balance it maybe with the ugly. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's cliche statements about it. I mean, Jim and Tammy Faye Baker, you know, Mm -hmm. that have this persona of just pure wonderfulness and it fell apart. And then people go, oh, well, yeah, there's Christians for you. And my take on it is, well, yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's exactly who we are. But then there's a level of piety and just ickiness that I think people are so sick of. Yeah. And then on the other side, I mean, I say this about my millennials, they can spot deceit Mm -hmm. and the show from 2000 feet. They know it when they see it. And, you know, right now there's a really popular author and blogger that, you know, had completely rallied the troops for her way of life. And then without warning, really without any warning at all, it was like, yeah, no, we're getting a divorce. And everybody was like, okay, well, we want our money back for our, the tickets to the marriage retreat that we went to two weeks ago. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's a huge responsibility, but I think it's less of a responsibility when you're willing to go, yeah, this is what stinks. Yeah. This is why, this is why it's hard. This is as real as it gets. I mean, I'm not trying to be funny when I say that Justin and I are not talking. We've gotten a huge fight and we're not talking. 
And okay, that's me and Justin. You know, that's just kind of how life goes. But if you're constantly trying to perform, I just don't think it does anybody any favors anyway. Yeah, it does. And I love how you say that millennials spot that maybe that hypocrisy, you know, right? Oh, off. yeah. Because yeah. That, that is very true. And I mean, well, they've, I had, we, they've had everything at their fingertips almost entirely their entire all of life. their lives. Yeah. yeah. So they're like, yep, scam. Nope, not real. Nope, not falling for it. You know, uh-huh. now they have some other drawbacks <laughs> that we deal with on the daily. <laughs> Me personally as their mother, but I'm, I'm quick to defend them in that because I don't think it's even that, I mean, I hear this a lot from other moms. It seems like they hate what we stood for as Christians or and I don't believe they hate it, but I believe that they've completely risen up and gone, wait a minute, there has to be more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And two, and I'm not trying to get political, but the, the one of the hardest things that we had to deal with was we were raised, just my, my husband and I, you know, we were raised, there was just certain things you didn't talk about that were completely mm-hmm. unacceptable and basically homosexuality. And that was just not something that went on. That was the thing and my thing that I see with my kids is yeah then they had to go out and actually know these people it's easy to say that when we just didn't talk about it these are their friends these are they're seeing more of what it truly means and means something to them and so the arguments that well we were just not going to talk about that and no it wasn't okay now has a face and a name Mm -hmm. and and they have real opinions and real true feelings about it and I think to rise up against anything when it comes to millennials and what we used to believe or what we thought was right or wrong if you're not willing to go yeah they're living something that you never lived yeah and that's for sure goes a long way in truly being able to communicate on a different level and understand and know them well and when we talk about them spotting hypocrisy right off too, um the other side that I love about millennials too is that they have a lot of empathy for people, you know. And a lot of that's exact actually yeah. would have summed up better what I was saying. And a they lot do. of love for other people too. They and, do. Yeah, that's and another it's real way. We're quick can to criticize them. we're real quick to criticize that. Like yeah. they're fluffy or, you know, way so liberal or anything else. And I'm thinking, no, they really do have empathy and they care about other human beings regardless of whether or not they agree with them so i and i would say that about all of my all four of my kids yeah yeah well sophia millennial she's 18 she's she's heavily influenced by millennials (laughs) (laughs) I think my kids are too. They spend a lot of time on YouTube learning from millennials. Yes, they do. At least that's my 12 year old. I see him doing that a lot. But yeah, so um, it's, it's interesting, but it's also, I applaud it in a lot of ways. Yeah, that's great. Well, I'd love for you to give us some background. Like I said, I'm, we want to talk about your third book, but you mm-hmm. have other work that you've already written. Give us some background to those books and that work. And then tell me, you know, where do you normally focus your time? Because not only do you have those two books, you also have, you're an artist and you have a studio and you sell amazing things online to do with that too. So, you know, give me some idea of things like that. So my first book was called Stolen Jesus, The Unconventional Search for the Real Savior. And it actually what happened was I had the viral post and I ended up with an agent and I had a manuscript and no real aspirations of anything happening with it. But 
that manuscript was called Sacred Ground Sticky Floors. And well, can you take us back even a tiny bit more yeah, than that? Sure. I'd love yeah. to know more about your viral post, you know, that open letter to your children, you're not that great. Um, the yeah. title sounds a little like, oh, <laughs> it's yeah. very provocative. But It was provocative. It, I had no idea what I was doing. Like I said, I posted it from my phone and I wrote it sitting in a dance recital, Sophie's dance recital, while I was holding a crack addicted foster placement so he had tremors from oh, gosh. yeah little tiny guy baby oh I think he weighed like four pounds oh, and wow. I was just kind of watching everything going on around me which was this celebration of this recital where everybody was basically oblivious to everyone else taping off seats which they had told us please don't put the tape on the seats bringing in balloons please don't bring in balloons because then other people can't see putting up camcorders and bringing food in and just completely out of their minds celebrating this dance recital. And it wasn't like a professional, it was just a dance <laughs> recital. And so I... Well, and we get that way with our kids, right? We yeah. Get, like everything they do is absolutely it's amazing. Absolutely. We yeah. try to make They're, this, this yeah. huge, you know, deal when it's just another dance recital, right? Exactly. And that is the gist of it. But I, I can't say that I wouldn't have done it. Although by the time the death threats started coming in, <laughs> I, I um, was rethinking my entire existence. But it was just a rant. I don't think it's even, it, it may not even be more than a thousand words. But it was basically, I hope that you know, I didn't bring Sophie flowers. I forgot flowers. I had a little crack baby. <laughs> and I was barely getting in by and I made it to the recital. But I'm watching, I was just watching the stuff going on around me. And I just was like, this is ridiculous. How will they rise up and have compassion? How will they have empathy? How will they, you know, and so I think the gist of it is, you know, I hope you're lonely because if you're not lonely, how will you recognize the lonely? Yeah. You know, I hope that you're left out. I hope that you're forgotten. I hope because those things, as much as we don't want to see our children hurt, those are the things that turn us into compassionate Mm -hmm. decent human beings. And so I those things and got the blessings and the curses that go with saying those things. <laughs> that, that's so. really interesting because I remember when I first wanted to start homeschooling my kids, I was worried like, oh, they're going to be made fun of. They're going to feel lonely. They're going to feel like they don't have a place in this world. And I remember when I first started, I'm like, that can't happen. I won't let that happen to my kids. And of course it does, because when you're doing something different and off the wall, your kids mm -hmm. end up being kind of the outcast. But that has been the greatest blessing to their life because they do, they see that person, they see the lonely, they see the lost, they see the forgotten. And so I think like you are exactly right on that. Like if we always protect them from all of those bad things that happen to other people, people you know and I remember the pain from those things and that's what as a parent I was trying to shield my children from that pain but by shielding them from that pain I would take away some really important character development does that make sense yeah I mean we don't we don't, I don't think we go out of our way to hurt them <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. I mean sometimes maybe but, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know especially with foster care I remember with our love that we had for two years that was returned to her restored mama, Sophie, who at the time was maybe 14, was walking the floor with her 
Carrie in her honor, yep, and singing the song, I'm going to love you like I'm going to lose you. Mm. I'm going to hold you like I'm saying goodbye. And I remember thinking, what have I done? (laughs) (laughs) But she has a beautiful voice, and it may not have been anything for her to sing that. It was maybe just her favorite song. But I walked into Hobby Lobby the other day to pick up some supplies in that, or it was Michael's, I guess, but it was blaring that song. And I immediately turned around and went and sat in the car and just sobbed. The thing about it is I still grieve that loss. I still celebrate that loss because we made a difference in that child's life and the life of her mother. But I did sign up for that. I, I knew it was a risk. Because you ended I don't, up, like you said, we, she was restored. Yeah, you she lost, was restored. Yeah, <laughs> you we lost, lost her after person that you started to love. Yeah. yeah. But I wouldn't change that for myself or for them because I grew in that. And really, you could argue that foster care isn't something my kids signed up for. They didn't sign up to love Joy Baby and lose Joy Baby, but they did. And every single one of them will tell you that it was worth it. How do you not? You can't stop the force of love. That's everything. So to think if our children hurt, it's because they're I mean, always a hurt means that something didn't work out or a love was lost or something happened that went against love, right? Mm-hmm. But if we grow and we learn from that, they become these amazing humans. Exactly. Well, but you were talking about that, the blog post of the open letter. Okay, yeah. Child, and then, so then and I, happened after that? I, got the, I, got, I got an agent because of that. And she pitched Sacred Ground Sticky Floors, which the the name Sacred Ground Sticky Floors came from our first foster placement. I texted another foster mom and he was injured. That was Charlie that we have now. He's our six-year-old. And I said, oh my gosh, I haven't slept in days. This is so hard. And I just kind of vented this huge message to her because she was seasoned. And she texted me back and said, I know it's hard, but keep a record of everything that happens while he's in your care. You are on sacred ground. And I was like, what? (laughs) Or not? (laughs) And then right after that, uh, Sam, who I I think was not even two, tried to pour apple juice from like Sam's Club and (laughs) dropped the bottle and it exploded everywhere. And I mean, it was like right after she said it and that name popped in my head, Sacred Ground Sticky Floors. So I wrote this book. I just knocked out 60,000 words in nine days and gave it to somebody that knew something about it and then ended up with the viral post and then the um, Harvest House asked for two, to do a two book deal instead of a one book deal. And my agent um, said, there's a chapter in Sacred Ground Sticky Floors called Stolen Jesus. I think that's a book. And I was like, ah, that's a story about me stealing a painting of Jesus from the YMCA. I can't turn <laughs> that into a book. There's no way for me to drag out that 15 minutes of my life. And she said, I really want you to think about and pray about it. So I said, okay. And they took that without even a proposal. And again, knocked out, actually at that point, it was 40,000 words in seven days. I called my sister and I said, I've unraveled all of these things about Jesus because I was actually have a background. My Originally, my parents were Mormon and then we were Lutheran and then we were Baptist, Assembly of God, we just hit all of them. And then when I married Justin, I became Catholic. So I just started telling these stories about things as I experienced them. And then I got to the arc of the book and I called my sister and said, I got nothing else to say. I know what he's not. I don't know what he is. And now I'm completely lost. And she said, well, I think you need to come listen to this podcast I've just listened to. And so I went to her house and listened to it. And it was the message of grace that you can't earn it. You can't pay it back. This is it. He said yes to you. And your yes to him is all that it takes. 
and went home and I think within 48 hours turned it into Harvest House and they took it. So stolen Jesus is the message of falling into the arms of grace and what it means to be truly loved. If you make a purchase, you know, if you buy something, it's a purchase. So that's not the cross. And if you earn something, that's a wage. So that's not the cross. So it's just a gift. And then sacred ground, sticky floors. I basically, it was kind of the same unraveling. It was one of the hardest seasons of my life. And the weekend that I wrote the entire book, which was just word vomit, (laughs) we put John on the bus to go to Marine boot camp. And I buckled Joy Baby into her car seat and have never seen her again. So it was funny. I, I write from a real raw, humorous place. And then thanks to Luke, who actually wrote the afterward to that book, our third son, leaving an illegal narcotic in the back seat of my car when I got pulled over, it has a really good ending. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> oh, now talk about tantalizing. <laughs> yeah. So I actually, um, the morning after I was held in police custody for possession of an illegal narcotic, I called my editor at Harvest House and said, wait till you get a load of the new ending. <laughs> <laughs> and she was so like funny. oh my gosh I can't wait and then it was like 15 minutes later she called me and she couldn't even talk she was laughing so hard and I can laugh about it now but at the time I was like seriously motherhood is the armpit of all vocation <laughs> so uh, yeah I think the best way that I sum it up is that in stolen Jesus I unraveled the truth of what it means to be saved and in sacred ground sticky floors I unraveled for me what it meant to be completely a part of my children and completely apart from my children. Their good and bad deeds don't define me, Mm -hmm. just as my good and bad deeds don't define my relationship with my father. And that's a message so many people need to hear. I mean, that's why, you know, you have parents that are making a huge deal over a tiny little recital because it's actually more about them than it is about their kids. Yeah, well, and my highlight in that was we had to send Luke away to military school, which was like, I was a homeschool mom and foster mom, you know, and people would tell me, oh my gosh, you're so amazing. You're so amazing, (laughs) that kind of thing. And um, I had to send him away to save him from himself. And it was horrific. It was, it went against everything that I loved about my life. And right after that happened, someone was that I knew was talking bad about us for sending him away. We were at Sophie's piano recital and Sophie plays the piano by ear since she was two. And when I say she plays the piano, she literally can hear a song one time and play the piano by ear. Anything in chords. It's creepy weird. And so, because none of us have that ability. We're, you know, a band of dyslexics and she's (laughs) a genius. And uh, my Marine son always goes, what did the DNA like filter all to the bottom of <laughs> your placental reserve? <laughs> and she just got all of it because the rest of us are like, do what? You know? <laughs> so um, anyway, and we were at her recital and this woman walked up to me afterwards and was just like, that was amazing. And I knew this woman had been talking about me because I'd heard from several people. She just thinks you're evil for sending Luke away. And she walked up to me and she, was, she said, oh my gosh, that was amazing. It was just absolutely breathtaking. Sophie's so talented. You're such an amazing mother. And I remember thinking, wait, I didn't have anything to do with that. I have no idea why Sophie can do that. It makes no sense to us. 
So why am I amazing? Because Sophie can do that. And why am I the worst? Because Luke messed up. Yeah. So then after I had exposed everything I could about myself in those two things, I <laughs> I'm going to have to do this, aren't I? And so, well, girl, it is my writing style. I think it has evolved, which it's with a different publisher. And so Carrie Scott and Katie Reed that edited that book and read a lot more than I do because I listen to a lot of audiobooks, but because I am dyslexic, I don't read a whole lot. But they both said this needs to be more inviting than the other two books. So it, just every once in a while, I'll say something like, have you ever felt like that? Or do you hear what I'm saying? So it has a little bit of a different twinge to it, but it was still the same thing, me exposing everything that I've believed for 48 years and coming to the conclusion that there is one answer, and that's to trust your creator with your pookie, as my husband called it. Um, <laughs> no, well, that's it. I mean, it's basically, that's exactly what I did. My core beliefs about religion unraveled in the first, my core beliefs about my motherhood unraveled in the second, and my core beliefs about wellness and the size of my butt unraveled in the third. <laughs> <laughs> well, and other than you getting advice that you need to be more you know, more from a personal level to draw the reader in. Were there other reasons why you wanted to shift that focus from <laughs> religion or from uh, your motherhood? Like, was there some kind of, I'd love to know if there's some kind of background story to oh, gosh, that yes. shift. <laughs> yeah, I've been doing this since I was 12. I've been struggling with my appearance since I was 12. And I was tired. And, it's exhausting. But it, yeah. it is exhausting. But I also, because there had been such divine revelation in stolen Jesus and sacred ground, sticky floors. I mean, I, I actually, there was a, a line in sacred ground, sticky floors that was um, my editor emailed me and said, this is absolutely the most brilliant thing you've ever written. And the line was more than just my children. These are my brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's of significance. And I read it and went, mm, did I write that? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, just as so I Googled it to make sure I wasn't supposed to quote it. But I did, I felt like it was, I call it the download. I just start getting in this space when I'm writing that is, I unravel. I completely unravel. And so I thought that's what was going to happen with Well Girl. And I thought that there was going to be this download and I'd go back and read and go, okay, we're all supposed to eat a fourth a cup of green beans every day. I I've, I've <laughs> literally thought he was going to tell me, this is where you're missing the mark. This is what you need to eat. And this is what you need to do to work out. And this is how you're going to get over this. And I told Katie that, Katie Reed, that wrote Mid Like Martha. And um, she said, well, why don't you just start writing that and ask him? Because that's how you get most of your 411. So I did. I just wrote when are you going to tell me what we should eat and how we should work out and what we're supposed to do? And just plain as day, I felt like he just went, why would I tell you what my children should eat? Why would I tell you how my children should work out? And it was very clear to me. My son, Sam, is allergic to walnuts. My daughter, Maggie, is allergic to gluten. Sam loves ground beef. And if you put ground beef in front of Charlie, he will instantly start vomiting. Why would I have that information for you? I love that. <laughs> You know why I love that is because you get on any social media site or any blog or whatever, and they instantly mm -hmm. want to tell 
you how you should eat or work out because and it works for them yes why would exactly. it work for you exactly it doesn't make any sense it, it is again it goes back to what we were talking about in the beginning why would i be the answer which is hard because i want you to go buy my book when you're finished with it i can't tell you that you're supposed to walk three miles a day and eat more carrots because i don't know yeah. you might be allergic to carrots and missing a leg why is that my business? Yeah. And even though we may be like brothers and sisters in Christ, like you said about your children, we all are still really unique. And, yeah. And he loves that about us. I, yeah. At least that's my feeling. That yeah. He, well, it took a huge weight off my shoulders to think, to realize I didn't have to write the book. The world, <laughs> what they needed to eat. But I think there'll be some, well, there's always fallout when you're brutally honest that I think one of the fallouts will be people that read it that want to be told and I wanted to be told and I am told but I'm not ever told maliciously or you know you should go drink that way shake because he knows that way shakes make me violently ill and I'm I'm fascinated by this because I the more that I followed my advice that did come with that which was feasting with the father the way in which the way in is not weighing in like getting the scale, but weighing in, I want to experience intimacy with God and his holy instruction. And that applies to everything in my life. And it's never miserable. It's never awful. And we were created with these senses to experience taste and touch and smell. And he gave those to us. That's a, another gift. I mean, we can't earn those. We wake up and we have them. They're ours, right? Yeah. And we negate those and think that we can fix ourselves and do these outlandish things trying to get better and they go against everything that he created us to be and when it falls away it's such a relief sorry it's such a relief because it's so um exhausting i mean can you imagine with your kids if every day they had to come down and ask are you still my mommy or you know, and we might have this conversation later, are we still married? Yeah. But, but if you had to do that every day, there's something to be said for knowing that you're cared for and loved that changes everything. I'm amazed that Stolen Jesus is a thing, that it's a book, and that there was so much more to it than I could have ever imagined. Because he has stolen from us, and we also allow him to be stolen from us because we doubt that he is who he says he is, and we don't believe that we are who he says we are. And when we do, you can take a deep breath and trust that it probably isn't a quick fix. It probably isn't 20 pounds in 10 days. It probably isn't all the things that you think that you want, but even the things you thought you wanted change when you're in line with what he wants. Yeah. Well, in a quick fix too, of course we all want that, but anything quick that comes in life, you just take it for granted, but anything mm-hmm. you really had to work really hard for, you appreciate and you adore and it's very special to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we forget that a lot, that the things that we have to work the hardest for, the things that we really love and cherish. Yeah. So. Well, and I think with at least for me, and I try and say this often because I don't like to speak for other people, but I really believed that a lot of scripture, like be perfect as Christ is perfect, and don't you know your body is a temple, that those were threats. And I'm so far from that belief now. They're guidance, Mm -hmm. but I don't threaten my kids if they eat too much candy. I mean, I don't threaten to withhold love for any reason. That's contingent love. 
and God is not a contingent God. He said yes, and that's that, right? So when we get past that, and we're just in a space, we're enjoying his company instead of trying to earn favor that we already have and condemning self, terrorizing self, beating self into submission in some kind of weird facade that we think earns favor with him. We're just stepping further and further away from him and no less of what would be best for us. Yeah. So we try the next thing and the next thing and the next thing, and then we berate ourselves and we step further away. And all the while in, you know, these uber Christian circles, we're going, I love the Lord, but, and I say this, I think I've said it in all three books, there is no but in a good I love you. A good I love you has no contingency and God is love and perfect love casts out all fear. And what adds fear to anything is a but. And, and I've gotten where I, I, I used to say this all the time, you know, even one of my kids would do something. I, go, I love you, but da, 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 da. well, no, that's a contingent love. I love you. But if you don't stop climbing out the window, I'm going to strangle you. Okay. Well, that's, I love you, but that means yeah. that my love for you has something that's standing in the way of how I feel about you. And when we have that, even though they're just maybe words and they just may be kidding, they speak volumes about what we understand about love. Yeah. Well, I'd like to know too. So earlier we were talking about millennials and how they can spot hypocrisy a mile away. Many millennials now are very, they would consider themselves not religious or not. Mm -hmm. But I wonder if that, you know, you were talking about the, the temple as a body and, you know, all those scriptures that we hear as threats. I feel like a lot of the way that I grew up was that other people in my life used those scriptures as a means to control me. And I feel like that's why so many young people may not be religious is because they can feel the hypocrisy and that they know that that's really not the gospel. Do you know what I mean? That's not mm -hmm. who God is and that isn't how he operates Sadly, though, is that they associate, some of them can't separate like, oh, this is what somebody was, the scripture or whatever was right, something blind, that, yeah, that somebody was Jesus. using <laughs> to control right. me when, when that wasn't it at all. Like he yeah. tells us that, you know, our bodies are like a temple because he wants us to know how special we are, you know, to him. And like mm -hmm. he cleansed the temple because it was a special place to him what's your feeling on that? Like how much of what you feel isn't, it's not stuff that we necessarily read in scripture, but it's like what those religious groups and, and I'm a really, I go to church, I'm a religious person stuff. I have friends in the faith, um, but we also need to be really careful in those groups, not to use scripture to get people to comply. Does that make sense? Right. Like, yes. Well, so I actually, um, I think I even have a blog post that so I had that viral post and then I, I had several more viral posts because of that. And they were all stuff I wish you'd quit saying. That was what they trended under is stuff I wish you'd quit saying. When are you going to try and get it pregnant again? Or, oh, but you have such a pretty face. And so it was all the cliches. Yeah. That, and I hit on a lot of those. And um, one of them was um, stuff I wish you'd quit saying, oh, you're so religious. And that was after stolen Jesus because I'm not religious. I love Jesus, but I'm very against anyone's calling me that because I, and I get that. I mean, I got an email the other day that said, I just hate Christians. You hate all of us. We don't all embody mm -hmm. completely what it means to love Christ. And then blaming Jesus because I mess up 
because something I've just said offends you, again, is still not Jesus. That wasn't, and I, I do say this on my blog too, you know, um, no offense comes from the Lord and lucky for you, I'm not him. But the thing that I think happens is that we replace a love of Jesus and being nurtured by Jesus and truly fed and guided in a one-on-one -on -one relationship with him because a religion is the God. Mm -hmm. And they said, you can't do this and you can't do this and you can't do this. Well, and you can't do this and this is right and this is wrong. And so-and-so's church says this and so-and-so says this, you know, it's everything in our lives is so polarized and then played out on social media. We will return to our show afterward from our sponsors. For the ultimate in backcountry comfort, check out the high quality gear of Teton Hammock Company. Whether you're going on an overnight trip or a week long adventure, the ultralight outdoor equipment from the Teton Hammock Company will keep you warm, dry, and sleeping like a baby. Their products are made of top quality materials that outperform all others. Check them out at tetonhammocks.com with an S. That is tetonhammocks.com. Hang with the best. Teton Hammock Company. Now back to the episode. Yeah, we've basically made God in our own image. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, like, um, and yeah he sounds a that... lot like me in my head. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, which I actually, I mean, I, I referenced that quite a bit in Well Girl. Um, you know, if you sit down before you eat something or make a financial decision, or whatever, and you ask, is this for me? Everything is permissible. Is this beneficial for me? Yeah. And wait two seconds. There's two voices. There's one that's calm and still, and it's almost instinctual. And the minute that you start saying you can't hear that, you can't hear it because your subconscious goes, oh, we can't hear that. She doesn't listen to that. That's not for her. And the subconscious is pesky like that. But there is that voice. And the minute you start saying, I can, I can hear that. I need to hear that. I want to hear that. I'm listening for that. The subconscious is more privy to that. But the more that we berate ourselves, the more that we hate on ourselves, and the more that we say we can't, the more that those things are obvious. And that's basic science, mm -hmm. which I think, you know, a lot of very religious people go, well, I don't want any part of that. Okay, well, then you can't use Band-Aids or aspirin either. This is the truth of who he created us to be. We are these complex beings with these amazing minds. But at the same time, those minds are something that have to be dealt with. So I used to get, if anybody said anything about energy, like, oh, that's got negative energy, I would go, oh, that's, that's not Christian. We shouldn't say stuff like that. Well, energy is energy. How do you pedal a bike? How do you walk down the stairs? It's a thing. And if you're not willing to recognize if you're around somebody that is absolutely toxic and abusive, that there's an energy that comes from that, that stifles creativity, that makes you feel a certain way. Why do you feel something? We feel it because of energy. And who created that energy? God. So, you know, we get caught up in the religion of what's good and what's new age, what's bad, what's this or this or this. And we put these cloaks of religion on those things and take them captive, and then we're not willing to see other things around us. And I truly believe that the minute we step away from that and just ask this simple question, everything is permissible, is it beneficial? That the answer is very clear. So yeah, okay, I said that about, <laughs> that. I said that about the energy, but take this for example. 
Well, so, and the energy work kind of triggers me right now because I live very close to Chad and Lori, uh, the Daybell. Thing. Oh, okay. And they were huge into the, like, that energy work. And so right. I'm like, oh. Yeah, right. So, but, but why do you have, why do you have trigger words? Well, we all have them. Yeah. But when, like, so let me give you a, an example that will maybe clear the field for you and I about that. So I had written something along those lines about toxic and trying to explain myself. And I sent it to somebody and just, to read that was a little bit out there and she emailed back and said yeah this this and this that need fixed I, I only use her every once in a while for editing and she said and let me send you a crystal bracelet because if you're into that and I was like not for me <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't need it don't I mean I about that. like like, like do, you, do you see what I'm saying yeah like I, I am not gonna worship a bracelet but yeah. it's because that's not for me it's not, that's not who he created me to be my God. He wants no gods before him. And that's not even a threat. It's for my own good. The minute that I think, and this is huge for me, and it's all what I'm writing right now for my fourth book proposal and stuff. But anytime that you believe something has more power in your life than God, it does. Yeah. Definitely. So <laughs> he gets to decide, he, he is everything. He is all of the things. But the minute that you think your boss gets to decide your fate, he does. The minute that you believe without a doubt that God is for you, he's for your children, he's for your family, he is for your success, and he has a plan and a way for you. That is when your faith is put into action and all things work together for good. And you can have peace and joy and life abundant because he is in charge. But we give away that power. And I propose that we actually give it away in a lot of ways to religion. They said that we can't do that. I, that, you know, not allowed to dance. And in your very core, you were created to dance. That's what he made you to do. And you were supposed to be, you know, on Broadway or whatever. And you're going, well, I can't. No, they said I can't. It's giving away that power instead of going, this is for me and this is not for me. Yeah. Dancing's not, you know. Okay, so I'm not about to get into something where I'm worshiping crystals or believing in that kind of thing. But at the same time, for so long, I think what he was trying to show me about the mind and belief, even as far back as graduate school, I see inklings of what he was trying to show me about that. And I'd go, oh, that's new age. Well, actually, it's not. It's just the subconscious. It's just literally the parts of the brain that I was told you weren't supposed to look into that. And the more that I've looked into it, the more I've gone, that's everything that's wrong with my faith. Mm. One, when we limit ourselves on what we can and cannot do, we may be creating a situation where we aren't living our, like the full potential that God wants us to live because we're, you know what I mean? Like you're just mm -hmm. stopping that. And yeah. instead of, I love that question, I think is super core of like, is this beneficial for me? You know, mm -hmm. that's the key component there. Oh, and it can be so simple. It can be the most simple thing in the world. The most tiny, you know, should I eat this for lunch or should I buy that? And it could be the biggest thing ever. Mm -hmm. Is this a relationship that I need to be invested in or do they need to go be made well away from me? It applies to everything. And I mean, even somebody told me the other day about a show and I can't remember what it was, but I'm super sensitive to story. So we left a movie one time and I was just 
this man's son died and then he won this award that he wanted and every my mom and sister were like that was so beautiful and i didn't sleep for two days i was like why would you care if you won that award if you're i'm like i my mom was like it was just a movie why do you do this well that's how i work so somebody said this show was something that i'd enjoy and i turned it on and i watched maybe the first three minutes and then i paused it and went is this for me and just like that nope don't watch it and so I didn't watch it. And then the next day, in the light of day, I read some of the reviews about it. And it would have terrorized me. It would not have been, it would have judged I have that up. same problem with, with different yeah. movies. Yeah, it would have judged up the losses that we've had over the last few years. That are, are still losses and stuff comes up. But why would I sit in the ashes of that? I, I don't want to be. I love our foster care journey. I loved taking care of my mother-in-law while she was dying. I loved that things fell apart and we ended up moving from the only home we'd ever known. I love those stories now, but I could go back and rehash them and make myself physically sick. But why would I do that yeah. when I have everything to give thanks for? I actually am I'm pretty much wholly opposed to, to a lot of that. I think in the media now, it's like the sadder the story, the better it is. And um, I think there's something about being moved, but then there's something else to being just intelligent about what's for you and what's not. And yeah. he knows what's for you and what's not. So somebody said, well, have you ever seen The Notebook? And my mom was standing right there and she went, she's not created to watch The Notebook. <laughs> so, and I'm not, whether it's touching or beautiful or whatever, it's not for me because the way I'm wired, I'm not okay from stuff like that. I think that Knowing that about myself is actually probably brought me a lot of confidence in how I react to different things. If it's not for me, it's not for me. Oh, well, there's something else will be. Well, and it brings confidence. And also you stop shaming yourself about that. Exactly. Because you're not living by somebody else's. This is good for you. But mm. something about it doesn't feel right for you. So Right. It's And it's that. so important. You know, what I truly believe real wellness is and real self-care is is knowing for certain that the way that you're caring for yourself is what you were created to be cared for as. I can't do keto. It's not for me because I think it's gross. If it works for you, if that's what is sets you free and heals you and isn't your God, go for it. Be yeah. blessed. Be well. Whatever. But don't tell me to do it, please. Yeah. Stop. Yeah. Stop telling me to do it. <laughs> and well, I did CrossFit and I ran marathons and I did all of those things for years. And then I was terribly injured from abusing my body and then further injured while I was taking care of my mother-in-law. And those things are no longer for me. It's not that I'm not healed. It's not that I'm not tough. It's, it's none of those things. He has something else for me now because he accommodates just like I accommodate to Sam. Can't have walnuts. I'm not going to give him walnuts. They make his face swell up. Yeah. Well, and everything has a, a time and a season. Everything has a, a purpose Absolutely. for what you may be doing. Um, I was thinking too, sometimes we as Christians call people to repentance. And, and mm -hmm. I'm really conscientious of this because I have kids that have been out doing missions and things like that. And, and I always like, I cringe at that because I think the only person that can really help you change your paradigm and change your mindset and bring you back into is really God. Do you know what I mean? Like, and so Absolutely. when 
And if we call somebody to repentance and we tell them what they should and should not be doing, it actually creates a, a wall where God won't speak to them. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like they close it down. Like it, mm-hmm. it becomes a thing like they, anything to do with God or anything to do with, they don't want to listen because somebody else has. Somebody else called them on it. Well, then think about versus, that for a minute. If you heard from so-and-so that another one of your friends heard something about you gossiping about them. And it was true that you knew it was true and that you were about to be called out. How much dread, how much discomfort, how much agony is invested in waiting for that phone call. And you are never supposed to feel that way with the God who created you and adores you. That veil was torn. Yeah. He made the ultimate sacrifice. You don't have to feel that way with him. He's not mad. He's not upset. No harm, no foul. He's your daddy and he'll take care of you. And he knew that it happened. That call is not coming. That judgment is not coming. And confession, or and I always forget how to say it, but it's a leogos in Greek, actually means to agree with. I agree with you. That was not for me. I agree with you. A different choice would have been better. I agree with you. I'm sorry that it happened. And I agree with you. I am yours. You can take me on to the next thing. When it comes directly from the source, it becomes more comforting and not Mm -hmm. a shameful thing. Like if somebody calls you out on it and that's what. Well, and this isn't well, girl. It's actually a quote from Carrie Scott, who also, like I said, Katie and Carrie both edited in their both books. But guilt is being sorry for something you've done. Shame is being sorry for who you are. Mm -hmm. And how, this was my big question to myself, how could I possibly be ashamed of who I am, when who I am was created by the great I am. Oh, beautiful. Well, and do you feel like there's any other ways that your paradigm has changed over time and with experience on these issues of wellness, body image? You know, we talked a little bit about repentance and shaming and things like that. Anything that you feel like is maybe different or unique to the thought process of what you might see in other, you know, other places out there? Everything has changed for me in the last five years. Everything has changed for me. The way I feel about myself, the way I feel about God, the way I love the people I allow to be in my life. And I said, that sounds arrogant, but I do say this often. And I'd say it when I'm giving counsel to other people, there's some people that you just have to say, you can go be made well away from me. And that is not a judgment on your faith or your Christianity. They're not for you. But I think the thing that sets my ministry, if you call it that, apart, is that I know if I know if I know I'm not the answer, and I have no desire to be your answer. I do want freedom for every woman, and I can sniff it out from the emails that I get and comments from readers and that bound-up place of religiosities and shamefulness and brokenness is not for you. And I know that it's not the totality of my responsibility, but I want to scream it from the mountaintops. You are free. And once you are free, you are free indeed. And you don't ever want to go back. I love that you can sense that about people. That's one thing that I've noticed too about myself is like I went through that whole shameful you know, and then that bitterness that comes with it, that, you know, that, that side of it where, where you feel like you've been shamed and then it makes you really bitter. And, and that's what I think I can sense is like, and I keep thinking, you need to continue to work through this, you know, get through mm-hmm. that. And then on the other side, we can talk about, it. you know, we can, yeah. but like, you can't 
necessarily walk somebody through that. And that part is really, it's hard because you want, like you said, you want to scream it from the rooftops, but at the same time, like they have to go through that work through and hopefully they do. I mean, I've seen people that die in that bitterness and that's, Mm -hmm. that's not, you never want to see that, but, Mm -hmm. but yeah, continue to work through and, and hopefully they can recognize that bitterness in themselves. And I feel like that's kind of where almost our society is. We're almost in this bitter, like, angry stage or whatever where we are mad at everybody because I don't even know things have been projected on us that maybe we didn't want things have been Mm -hmm. forced on us (laughs) you know and and there's that bitterness to it Mm -hmm. yeah there is and you know I've come to know and believe the greatest power the greatest energy the greatest I don't even like to call it an emotion but the greatest gift we have is Christ in us, which is love. And there's the choice always to react in love or to react in fear. And fear manifests itself as hate, disgust, piety, any of those things. And the reaction from love, which I think even has me saying that, I know that there's probably somebody that'll hear that and go, she's just a hippie, but it's greater than that. Um, I saw something the other day at the store that was to my core, I was offended on so many different levels. And I've come to a place where I go, okay, I'm offended. That's despicable. I hate that. It's awful. And what is my reaction in love? And my reaction in love is instant, not warm, fuzzy, romantic, or any of those things, but it is, that's his child too. He wanted something good for them. They're choosing otherwise. They're choosing to react in fear and it's manifesting in arrogance and hatefulness and awfulness. But he created them for something bigger and it immediately shifts my focus from, which is actually one of the things I probably regret the most about an open letter to my children is that I was reacting out of disgust in a lot of ways, but I was hoping for more for my children. There's no but in a good apology either. So I'm sorry, <laughs> but, but that that's true. I, I am sorry that it has, even though it, God used it to catapult a career that I'd never considered and a ministry that now just, I'm like, wait, what happened? But um, our reaction to the world around us has the potential to be the hands and feet of Christ or not. Definitely. I love that. You've brought up two good points that I have written down. That is, you know, is this beneficial for me? And then Mm -hmm. also that is his child too. So how are we going to react to that? Do you feel like there are any other habits that you can, like that you've learned from your personal life that could be helpful or beneficial to other people as well? Besides those? My most favorite is everything is permissible, but it's a beneficial and it, that is a habit, definitely, for me. But my, my other most favorite is gratitude. And even in, in, even in the situation, like I was talking about at the store the other day, after the incident was over and I had shifted my mind and pivoted to, okay, so what does God see? I see an offense, but what does God see? Um, and that was followed by, thank you for letting me see. Thank you for letting me be a part of that. Thank you for allowing me um, to remember who you are and who everyone is around me. I truly believe that gratitude is everything. 
it is an opportunity to rejoice in that which is basically armpit and he gives meaning to that there's nothing worse than a pharisee so i don't want to sound i pray i don't have an ounce of piety when i say that but i mean even like i I confess that justin and i had a spat this morning i'm grateful for the communication even though it was harsh and we've maybe wasted the day i'm grateful that we have each other i'm grateful that we communicated something that was frustrating to both of us. I'm great. And I start naming those things. And that is everything to be able to, to say that to you in that I know my shortcomings and I'm even grateful for those because how else would I ever change, which is an open letter to my children. How else would I know? Yeah. Ah, I almost have me in tears here. <laughs> and I've been writing notes like crazy. So many things to learn from you. You know, I know you've received a lot of feedback about your message, but, you know, how is your, basically the areas that you're growing, helping other people be successful too? I mean, like you're saying, you don't want any, you don't want piety and you don't want people following you like a, like a Pharisee type of thing, but, but we are here to serve and to help people. And I feel like we have a mission on this earth to do. What do you feel like yours is? Well, I I kind of fly by the seat of my pants. It's new every day. There's this part of me. I ended up talking to an author the other day for like 45 minutes. I got off the phone. Justin had heard so much of that. And he said, are you not going to charge for that? <laughs> I was like, I, I probably should have. And so then I started thinking, maybe I should, that's what I should be doing. Maybe I should start charging authors to speak to them and stuff like that. And then instantly have this voice that went, that's what's not for you. And so it's kind of day by day. I love, I love more than anything in the world to lift up other women and young girls. I want them to be everything that they possibly can be. And some days maybe it doesn't look like I wish it could. Like I know of a girl right now that's not going to get to go to college. And I just keep thinking, why can't I have a billion dollars to fix that? And, and his timing is perfect. And he knows, and he created me to have these passions, which actually were ignited in, in me at, as I worked at a teen mom camp when I was 18 out of college. And they fascinated me because they had no hope. And I, I wanted so much more for them and literally didn't have really anything myself. So I don't know who I thought I was, but <laughs> that, um, that's what I want is I want, I want women to be empowered in who they were created to be not for necessarily all the women empowerment for whatever random reason, but for who they are, who they were created to be. I think there's nothing better than that. And seeing that rising in the freedom of being exactly who you were created to be. That's awesome. Well, I feel like your statement of uh, everything is permissible. It almost is an empowering statement in the fact that, you know, you're not limiting anybody and then you're asking them to ask the question for themselves. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like sometimes when we go through and we limit things for people, we strip away power from them. Do you know what I mean? That they they don't have the intelligence or they don't have the foresight or the knowledge to be able to make these decisions for themselves. But Mm -hmm. to be able to empower somebody like you could do anything, you know, you could be anything. Mm -hmm. But what is your specific thing that you're meant to do, I think is super um, helpful. I feel like that's 
super helpful to other people just to give them that hope, you know, and not to limit them on what they could be. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, from from the get-go, we have stereotypes and Mm -hmm. stuff you're not supposed to do and stuff you are supposed to do. And I I always go back to Eve. You have everything, absolutely everything. Just don't do this one thing. And what did she do? (laughs) The one thing, (laughs) yeah. Right. And so, I mean, I think it's just, it was basically the precursor to, okay, that's how you guys are going to act. And so this is what I'm going to (laughs) do. And so now you can do anything you want. There's repercussions. And there's stuff that's for you and there's stuff that's not. But go on and do it and I'll wait here. I've got some things to tell you about that, but we'll talk about that later. (laughs) I I really, I think that though that everything is permissible is it is super helpful in helping us even come to that repentance thing. Because not long ago, I talked to a guy who had a real struggle with pornography and it was always Mm -hmm. like, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do that. And Mm -hmm. then one day he's like, yeah, I can do that. I can look at pornography. Mm -hmm. And then he realized, but do I choose to do that? Is that really exactly for me? And then it began the whole process of him actually being able to heal from this like decades long addiction that he had. Because when we have that almost that scarcity mindset, like you said, that that thing with Eve of like, you know, you can do whatever you want, but this one thing you can, that's the thing that we hold to or we cling to. I think when we open, we broaden our mindset to go, everything is permissible, but what do I choose not to do? Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, we, we are in the power and we make that right. choice for ourselves and not um, somebody else doing that for us. So Exactly. Love and and, and we're, we're created individually. So mm-hmm. it, yeah. it, I'm not picking on keto, but I think it's because it's so prevalent right now and everybody, it seems like everybody's doing it, right? And of course, because I have been raised in a diet culture and that's been a struggle for me. That was my thing. Okay, well, I'm going to do that. That's what I'm going to do. And I'm downloading everything. And then I stopped and went, wait just a minute. This is not for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't eat that much bacon. Please don't make me. I, I don't want to not have watermelon. I love watermelon. It's to me straight yeah. from Jesus. That's my yeah. thing. When I work out, that's what I want, watermelon. And so, okay, so he has something else in mind. That's not the only answer. If it's not for you, then he has another answer. Yeah. That is for you. Well, to go back to that diet, that that's also that scarcity thing. Mm-hmm. Um, oh gosh. And yeah. once we are limiting mm-hmm. ourselves in what we can and cannot do, you know, we're following somebody else's plan basically of what we can and cannot do. Those yeah. are the things that we crave. And then it just is this 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 horrible cycle. I'm actually finding more success in like yeah, I can eat anything, but I know these things help me feel better. Make me feel better, exactly. Yeah, and and then I'm not sticking to a diet. I'm feeling better. I, you know, whatever. I look better. I feel better. I I don't know, but I'm more successful at that because I'm making the choice for that and not not Mm -hmm. somebody else's plan. Which, I mean, it's it's basic psychology, which he he created. And, um, you know, if you say you can't, that's what you want. And so when you deprive yourself to the point that you're then forced to abandon, whether it's pornography or spending or or food, whatever, there's balance. He offers us balance. And what is wellness? It's balance. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you go to a wedding, you haven't been to a wedding in years, and you're doing keto, I'm not having cake. I'm not having wedding cake. 
nope, not going to have it, not going to have it, not going to have it. And then you're pushed to your limits. Yeah, all you're doing is stirring at the cake. <laughs> yeah, you're just, and, and, and what have you done? You've created a golden calf. And what are you worshiping at? What are you trying to stop worshiping? What are you, I mean, he, he made us so complex. And at the same time, he offers us such simplicity. Definitely. Well, I'd love to hear like the legacy, like maybe some long-term goals that you have and how that's creating, you know, working into the legacy. I know that you just told us that, you know, as far as like that mission that you're supposed to do, that that's always changing. But do you see like that repeating, that reoccurring theme in your life, maybe that it's kind of working towards that? I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) I'd be lying if I said, yeah, that everything is perfect and wonderful and exactly the way that I want it. I have no problem confessing because I didn't know anybody and I didn't know anything. And my book's I don't look at numbers and stuff like that because that's not for me because it leaves me in panic. I would like for my books to be read. (laughs) I would like for my art to sell. I would like, but at the same time, I don't want to be the answer. I I hope that they're read and then walked away from with a new look at a good and loving God. So it's it's definitely a, a contradictory scenario. I want my books to be read and I want to write more books. And maybe that legacy that you really want is that just when people interact with you, they feel that love, you know, of God. I hope that, yeah. And that uh, shine, yeah. like they feel love and God shines through that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that would be a nice that. legacy. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, do you have any final, oh my gosh, everything I say, I'm like, oh my gosh, this goes against everything we just talked about. But do you have any- <laughs> Do you have any final parting advice for our listeners? And then give us your contact information, how we can find out more about you. Well, I say this whenever I sign anything or say, sign a blog or I ended my book with it. I said it once in a Facebook Live and I've said it to my kids all the time, which is Jesus be all over you. And that to me is that he's everything. He's every answer. He's everything. You're drenched in who he truly is and not what you've made him out to be or what the world's made him out to be, but that he seeps from your pores and he's just all over you. Um, so that's my thing or his thing, I guess. But I, I love that he instilled those words in me. Just Jesus be all over you. Let him run all over you girls (laughs) (laughs) until you can't escape the truth of who he is. And you can find me at sacredgroundstickyfloors.com. And that's my website and everything's on there. Links to my books, uh, blog posts. And if it's not on my store in the shop, then it's on Etsy, which is um, Jamie Amarine's studio. And I'm on Instagram, Jamie Amarine, and Facebook. I don't do a lot of Twitter because it's not enough words. <laughs> and, that's how I feel and, about it. Obviously. <laughs> and um yeah, but Jamie Amarine's Sacred Ground Sticky Floors is my Facebook and those are my people. Contact um, information. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And you can also just if you want to, you can just email me at Jamie at sacredgroundstickyfloors.com. <laughs> that's so wonderful. I have I have a whole page and a half of notes. You have really impacted my day in a very positive way. So I really appreciate that. I hope Hope the listeners feel the same way. Again, we've been chatting with uh, Jamie Amarine. (laughs) She she is an author, speaker, and artist. We didn't even talk about that. She has some great things on our website. We've been mostly talking about her third book, 
Well, girl, an inside out journey to wellness. You can find her in a lot of places and we're going to link that up, especially the stakeredgroundstickyfloors.com. But thank you so much, Jamie, for coming on and speaking to us about just amazing topics about wellness. I really appreciate it. I really had a good time. Thank you so much for having me, Rebecca. Thank you for listening to The Luminous Mind. Music featured in this episode from Scott Holmes. To learn more about our podcast, check us out at theluminousmind.net.